Why do we worry? Is it human nature? A warning sign from God? Or negative influences? An abundance of worry can lead to stress, frustration, and ultimately fear. But it doesn't have to be this way. God's promise is for us to win over worry. Welcome all of our campuses. I want to welcome each week all those that are joining us online. And I particularly want to welcome this week those men and women at the Orleans Justice Center, St. Tammany Parish Jails, all the jails and prisons that watch us live each week. Come on, can we just welcome all those? Welcome you guys. We are kicking off a new series called Winning Over Worry. Now, it's going to be a five-week series. I'm going to go through Thanksgiving into the Christmas holidays as well. And my goal in this series is to teach you that you and I do not have to succumb to worry. We all deal with problems. We all deal with challenges. But we can win over worry. Now, those of you that are guests here or you're just new to Church of the King in this environment, I teach in series. And the reason why I do that is I like to build week in and week out. Those of you, if you miss, again, you can always go online and download our message series to feel like that you can, quote, catch up. We're dealing with a topic that is pervasive. We all struggle at some level and grapple with the realities of worry. I'm going to talk about what worry is how we defeat worry, how we can see worry coming, how we can address it. Matter of fact, I had a conversation uh, with a guy one time and he was convinced, he was convinced that somehow he felt as though biologically, physiologically, he was just more prone and designed to worry. In other words, it was in his DNA. He was a worrier. Question, is some people or are some people more more designed physiologically to worry. In other words, is it part of some people's DNA where some people just feel like, man, they just blow everything off. It's not that big a deal at all. Or is worry more of a, it's a response or cause, it's caused by what we expose our mind to. So is it physiological? Is it psychological because we've exposed our mind and our emotions maybe to negative news or to things around us? Or is it spiritual? The fact is that we're in a spiritual battle. Paul talks about the fiery darts of the wicked one. He talks about holding up the shield of faith. Why? Because the enemy, Ephesians chapter 6, the enemy shoots fiery darts of wicked, the, the, the lies of the enemy. So, so is, it, is it physiological? Is it psychological? Or is it spiritual? Is this just a spiritual battle and everybody is just in a war? I want to address those issues with you guys. I want to help those of you that maybe, again, you're new to Christianity. Maybe you're just leaning in and you've been checking this out. Maybe you're joining us online. I want to address the issue because here's what I do know. I do know this. Everybody experiences worry. And the reason why I believe one of the main reasons is because we have challenges. 
Every single person, every person listen to me, you have family challenges. You have financial challenges at some level. And if it's not one area, there's another area. There's, there's, a, there's a challenge that you've got with a coworker. There's something maybe in your physical body. Maybe it's, maybe it's something that you're very concerned about in our culture, all the stuff that's going on. So it's cultural or it's physiological. There are challenges that we face, real challenges that we face. And so when we look at these challenges, here it is. What is our response to that? Now, some of you guys think, well, you know, pastor, I'm just a scenario planner. I just deal with, I have a very active imagination. And so I just like to bucket one and bucket two and bucket three. Yeah, sometimes we call it scenario planning, but it's good old fashioned worry. Now, I have a confession to make. I'm somebody at times that struggles with worry. And I've had to learn as a follower of Jesus, not as a pastor, just a follower of Jesus, how to overcome worry. Matter of fact, I, I'll never forget a number of years ago, I went with a friend of mine, one of my uh, sons, uh, and another, actually another pastor and his son. We went up to Tennessee for a, a vacation. and We were going to spend a week, kind of have a, a, a bonding time, dad and sons. It was a great time. Matter of fact, the boys got off the plane and when they got off the plane, they, 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 they connected all these pamphlets. They collected all these things like, okay, we want to do this. And we want it. So they were planning out the whole trip, you know. And so that night we ate dinner. And so the boys made an announcement. All right, week, day one, dad. We, we guys, listen, dads, we, we, we want to go white water rafting tomorrow. Now, I was hoping we were going to ease this thing in a little bit, you know, and, and uh, no, no, and matter of fact, they had the brochure. It was, here, you read, I should have known it was called Willie's Whitewater Rafting Tours. So we wake up in the morning, they're all ready and they're excited and we get there and there's kind of like this little canopy type, kind of half tent, half canopy. We go up there and, and it was more expensive than I thought. And then they said, okay, all of you guys have paid, go over there and get on that bus. Now, when I saw the bus, I don't mean to be critical, but the bus was like a, a World War II school bus. I'm serious. I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm not, so we all just kind of march over there. We get on the bus. Everybody's getting on the bus. And, and, uh, and then we start. And I mean, it's almost like you know, Fred Flintstone level. It's almost like he had to run on his thing to get the thing going. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's because how young you are. But anyway, so we start going up this mountainside. I'm not making this up. I'm not joking. We, we, as we start going up this, I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is when it happens. This is a small caption in a paper, you know, school bus with 50 people falls over. I mean, we were so close to the side. So the guy in front of me starts cursing loudly, trying to let the driver know that he's too close to the edge. You know what I'm talking about? You know, like when you're in a grocery store and somebody's like, wow, it's not moving fast here at the checkout line. You know what I'm talking about? And they want everybody else to participate. So you have this guy, he's a cursor, and so he's, he's cursing, and so he's trying to pull me in to kind of curse with him, and so, and, and so, and so he's just kind of going back and forth, he's like, so what do you do, man? And like, what do you mean, what do I do? I, 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 I guess, and they're like, what do you do like for a living? So I never tell people that I'm a pastor, because then they behave differently, so I'm like, I'm a motivational speaker. I, do, I, I really, and I'm not joking. I don't tell people, you know, you're a pastor, you know, they do the sign of the cross. I, do, I don't say anything. I just, I just, I'm just kind of a motivational speaker. So he's, no, no, like, like, you know, and so he's like, so he's trying to recruit me to, to, to curse 
against the driver because he's too close to the side. And so finally, I said, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a pastor of a church. You know, oh, okay, you know, I'm sorry about all that. You know, so we get off. And so the boys, we get off. And he's got actually a son too. And so we, we, we have the guide. We have a guide. And, and the guide looked like he just emerged right out of the river. It was like in his young 20s, like, hey, man. No, so he just lives in the river. He eats in the river. He sleeps in the river. He's going to die right in that river. And so, and so, so he emerged out of the river. And so he, he said, I only have two rules, man. One rule is like, like, put your hand on the end of the paddle. If not, like, you just kill somebody. And the second rule is have fun and, and remember the first one. And then he said this. It's funny. He goes, and listen, there's, and, and I just let everybody know. You know, there's like some twos, threes, fours, and fives. The fives like real rough, and 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 I'm not gonna tell you where they are. Ha ha ha. Okay, don't forget the two things. Now I'm thinking they're gonna kind of warm us up here a little bit, right? So we're gonna warm up. We're not gonna just start. So so it wasn't like 500 yards. It was like maybe 200 yards. We went around one turn, and we hit a five. It. Now I'm serious. It was insane. It was crazy. I mean, it was, the boat was like, people fell out. And remember the cursor? And so he, he didn't fall out. He was about to fall out. And so he looks at me. He's like, pray for me, pastor. I'm like, pray for yourself. I literally did. I knew it was terrible witness. I don't care. And so I grabbed my son. I mean, it was so crazy. So finally, finally, uh, we get to, we almost get to the end. And we get close. And there's like lightning everywhere. It's like, you know, and it's about four or 500 yards. We've got to go one more thing. And like, and it came from nowhere. And I asked a little river guy that lives in the river, grew up in the river. It's going to die in the river. And I asked him, I said, like, are you concerned about this lightning? Like, should we do something? And he goes, oh, sir, you're fine. I'm like, Why? We're in a rubber boat. That didn't lift me. That didn't encourage me. That didn't make me feel secure at all. We finally finished. I was like, America! I'm kissing the crowd. I'm like, I'll never do that again. That was like hell. Now, the truth is, that was about two hours. It took two hours. And I got off, and I'm never doing that again. But some of you guys have been on a ride like that for 10 years. And when you have this hit you and this, and one of the things, one of the things that happen is, is, is you worry all the time. By the way, pastor, is worry a sin? No, but it can lead to fear and then it can lead to sin. So we've got to stop it right here at the, at the vain imagination level. Are you with me? We've got to learn how to deal with that. I want to talk to you today about worry. Matter of fact, I want to talk the next month about how to win over worry. I got good news. I got good news. We can, with the power of Jesus Christ, overcome worry. How many of y'all are grateful for that? We can overcome. All right, I got to tell you, this is interesting. The Greek New Testament word for worry, it's marineo. And it's an interesting, or there's a lot of different translations, M-E-R-I-M-N-A-O. Mira now, some people pronounce it. And, and, it's, and it's the word that's used over and over in the Gospels. And, and it's an interesting word because here's, here's what the word actually means. Watch this, check this out. It means to be anxious, don't miss this, or to divide the mind. I want you to think about that for a moment. When you worry, 
Your mind is divided. But not only your mind, remember what you think about is what you feel about. And what you feel about ultimately is what you do about. In other words, if you want to change your acts, you got to go back to your mindset. Now, here's the point. The problem is when your mind is divided, your perceptions are divided. Your emotional responses. That's why, that's why we feel things in our, in our gastral level. We got ulcers and all this. Well, it's because our mind is going one way. It's almost like two engines in a train. It's like pulling against. In other words, when your mind is divided, can I tell you something? Your life can be divided. God doesn't want us living that way. God wants a unity of thought and action and belief. That's why the Bible says James, the brother of Jesus, by the way, the half-brother of Jesus, who wrote the book of James. I taught through the book of James a number of years ago. Here's what James says, James chapter 1, verse 8. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Remember this, what you think about is what you feel about. And what you feel, your thoughts produce emotions and your emotions and your thoughts come together and they, well, they inform your decisions, your behavior. You gotta go back and evaluate. What's your mindset? James says a, 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 a double-minded person. Watch this. One who has a divided mind. They're unstable in all of their ways. Perhaps you guys have said this. Had a guy tell me this one time. He said, Pastor, he says, I'll be honest. I'm a worrier. But my mom and my dad were worriers. And my grandparents were worriers. I said, really? So what do y'all do when y'all get together for Christmas? Well, we talk about what we're scared about. <laughs> I want to help everybody. Anger, listen, that's not a trait. It may be a generational curse that needs to be broken off your life. But you don't have to receive something from a previous gen. You don't have to receive bitterness. You don't have to receive anger. And you don't have to receive worry because your ancestors. No, you can be a new man and a new woman in Christ. Are you with me? You, you, we're not going to blame our ancestry. I've just always been angry. Well, change it in the power of God. Let Christ transform your heart. So here's how worry works. There's legitimate challenges that we have. Family challenges, financial challenges, health challenges, intergenerational, maybe brother, sister, grandfather, you got a problem with somebody in your family, maybe a coworker, a business partner. So, so you got challenges here, right? Here's what worry does. When you have a divided mind, when you look at something, you don't look at it objectively with the wisdom of God. You look at it emotionally. Does that make sense? And when you look at it emotionally, listen, very rarely do you come to the correct conclusions. And that's why this is so important. And by the way, if there's ever been a year that we could quote in our mind go, legitimately be worried, it would have been 2020. Think of all the stuff that you guys, all of us are grappling with, whether it's with COVID and all that. And listen, I've talked to families in our church and people all over this nation. And it's like, my gosh, and what's going to happen to our kids? And I got to work and I can't, my kids, and, they, and what if school and all, and all the college kids and oh gosh, and what are we going to do? And all that, listen, those are legitimate, legitimate challenges, legitimate needs, whether it's that, whether it's economic reality, the political things that our nation's going through, legitimate things that, that can cause us, if we're not careful, to have a divided mind and ulcers in our stomach. Are you with me? 
And then how about South Louisiana? How about South Mississippi? My gosh, talk about an active hurricane season. My gosh, what's going to happen? Are we going to go? We don't have the money to evacuate. Should we do this? What do we do that? I'm not sure about this. And what was I'm just going to stay here. I don't care if it's a five. I'm going to stay. I can't go anymore. I can't leave anymore. I can run a COVID and this. And I don't care who runs the nation. And I don't care. It's just it's a lot. And that's where people are right now. And because of that, watch this, watch this divided mind. When you have a divided mind, watch this, you have divided emotions. James says it creates an instability in our lives. Yeah. I want to talk to you about how to overcome this. Matthew chapter six, if you have your Bible, I want to talk to you about a very, very powerful, powerful uh, sermon. And it's actually the Sermon on the Mount. It's the sermon that Jesus taught on the Mount of Beatitudes. If you've ever been to Israel, it's a beautiful place up in northern Israel around the Galilean region. There is hope in our battle against worry. There is hope for all of us. There's hope. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Here's what Jesus said. Therefore, I say to you, do not, what's that next word? Come on, say it worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into the barns. Yet your heavenly father, what? Feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you? Question. Which of you by what? What's that next word? Worrying. Which of you by worrying can add one cupid to his stature? So why do you, next word, worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor they spin. If you step back and look at this passage, it's important for us to understand the words of Jesus and what he's teaching us. For those of you that maybe are new to Christianity, here's how the Bible's divided, Old Testament and New Testament. All right? At the last book of the New, uh, Old Testament, right at the end, Malachi, all right? Right when Malachi finishes, there's actually a 400-year period before the Gospel of Matthew, before the Gospels. So there's a 400-year pe- period. It's called the intertestamental period or the silent years. Now, this is important. Remember, Jewish people hearing prophets, right? All through the Old Testament, the people of God. For 400 years, there's no prophets. Nobody's hearing from God. And all of a sudden, there's a rabbi that gathers all of these Jewish people on the Mount of Beatitudes, and he's teaching them. And he breaks the silence. And what does he say? He says, there's a father in heaven. You have a father in heaven, and he cares about you. That was revolutionary for people that hadn't heard from God for 400 years. They had no message, they had no hope, they had no enthusiasm, and all of a sudden, here's Jesus, and it was very important what he was talking. Just think about one of the very first messages of Jesus, because he knew the proclivity of human nature. He knew how much we'd worry, and how much we'd be, we, we, would, we would carry throughout the day about our business, about our marriages, about our kids about our future, about our health. And what did he say? Which of you by worrying? Basically, how can you help yourself through worrying? You, look, at, look up. Wow. Jesus begins to explain to every one of the hearers the power 
of trusting God. Not of having a divided mind, but a united mind. Here's what I want to do. I want to give you guys, when, when I read the Bible, I look for principles and patterns and paradigms. And I, I know some of you guys are more abstract than I am. I'm not as, I'm more concrete, sequential. What that means is it's like, I, I, I see things in steps. I know that some people are more artsy, more abstract. That's not my personality style. So what I give people is I give them principles and I, in the scripture, that's how I learn. I trust it's how you guys are learning as well with it here at church. But, but I want to share with you a formula. And if formula is too mechanical sounding, a recipe, all right, for South Louisiana, Mississippi, I want to give you a recipe for peace, all right? We all like recipes, right? So I want to give you guys a recipe or a formula for peace because peace is so critical. It's a missing component in our culture. Listen, it's very, you have worry or you have peace. It's hard to have both. It's hard to have both. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you a recipe or a formula for peace. And it's in three ways. It's, it's kind of like my grandma, she, she's from the bayou. She's from La Rose, actually cut off. And, and she, she, would, she would have a gumbo recipe. Now, I want to say this. She went to the grave and never told anybody what it was. My grandma is very strong-willed, very just everything had to be her way. Y'all, y'all heard my story about my grandma. She lived to 100 you say, why didn't you, you know, why did she live so long? Because Jesus was not ready to be bossed around yet in heaven. I'm serious. You, you know, you've heard that story. But anyway, so, so you guys know recipes. The reason why, the, but this recipe, there's nothing hidden in this. I'm not hiding anything. The Bible's not hiding. Everybody say praise. praise. Now I'm going to say plus perspective. Say perspective. perspective. Now I'm going to do the plus. Plus, all right, oregano. No, I'm just joking. All right, here we go. Okay, everybody say praise, Praise. perspective, prayer. Okay, it's praise plus perspective plus prayer equals peace. You're going to see that in the Bible. Number one, the first part of this recipe, the first part of this formula is the word praise. Pastor, I want to walk. I am so tired of living in anxiety. I'm so tired of living in worry. Pastor Steve, I know exactly what you talk about when you talk about the anxiety. Remember this, it starts in the mind, but it ends in your stomach. Just remember that. Anxiety starts in your mind, but it ends right here. That's where it ends. Meaning you feel it. How, how many know what I'm talking about? You know exactly. It's like right here that, that all those, that those, those things, those unhealthy feeling and all that. I'm telling you, and the first step to overcoming worry is the word praise. Pastor Steve, what does praise have to do with it? God created you and I to focus on him, to praise him, to worship him. You and I were uniquely designed by God. You go in cultures around the world that have never heard the gospel. They've never heard about Jehovah God. They've never heard about Jesus. Matter of fact, I'll never forget reading an autobiography of a famous missionary. And when he got to the place where he was... He was, it's called Peace Child, actually, is, the, is a, a Don Richardson. And when he got to the place where he was sharing Christ, what had happened was the very people there had already created something of, of, of a deity. Why is that? You and I, watch this, were created by God to worship something and someone bigger than ourselves. You were created by God to worship something bigger than yourself. 
In other words, in your DNA, in my DNA, we were wired for worship. And when you don't worship, watch this. When you don't worship, you get so overly preoccupied with self. When you don't worship, when you don't praise God. See what praise does, praise lifts your eyes off of self and it puts on someone bigger than yourself. It it, it takes your eyes and we are so stuck. Again, God, in no way am I going to, in this series, somehow trivialize the things that we're all going through. What I am suggesting to you and what I believe the Bible clearly declares is that we are not to be so preoccupied with our needs. That was the whole Sermon on the Mount. You know what Jesus was doing? He was trying to get their pers- he was trying to get their mindset and perspective shifted off of self onto our heavenly Father. John the Revelator said something so powerful about the word praise. Here's, here's what he says: John in Revelation chapter four verse eleven, everything existed and was made because you wanted it. What's the point here? God created us to lo- watch us. God created us to love us. He wanted us. He wanted he wanted to love us. God wanted to express his love to us, but then he wanted us to love him in return. And one of the Bible words when we love God in return is the word praise. Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking, oh, pastor, is that the 19 minutes and 38 seconds before Pastor Steve teaches the Bible? Kind of like, you know, a lot of people think that our worship and praise time in our church, and now I know some of you guys grew up in church and the worship service was the whole hour, hour and five or hour and 10 minutes. We say, listen, obviously it can be that, but there is a moment, there's 19, 20 minutes of singing for us. Listen, worship in our life is not just 19 minutes and 38 seconds. Worship for us is a 24-7 thing where we, where we, where we praise who God is. Are you with me? Where we declare who God is and something, let me tell you, you show me somebody that doesn't praise God and I'll show you somebody that's preoccupied with their own needs. 24-7, they just can't get their minds off it. Again, legitimate needs. Family needs, financial needs, health needs. And all of a sudden when we begin to praise, we take our eyes off of our needs and we begin to put our eyes on God. Hey, by the way, remember what I told you the word worry is? Don't miss this. Remember what I said the word worry is? Worry divides. Guess what praise does? It unites. It unites the mind. Why? Because when we begin to praise God, we focus our mind upon him. Yeah. How many times you guys would admit that you've come into a worship service and man, you're singing to God. And by the way, uh, the totality of your praise to God should not be just Sunday morning. It, it, this is just an appetizer to teach you. Let me say it this way. This is, just, this, this is just practice to teach you how to do it Monday when you're in your car on the way to work and how to do it when you're coming home from work and how to do it when you get up in the morning. It's, it's, it's something that we should learn to make it part of our life. You guys remember King David in the Old Testament? Remember, I've taught you this before. If you've been part of Church of the King, how many books of the Bible are there? Does anybody know? 66 books of the Bible. 65 books of the Bible are primarily God speaking to mankind. There's one book in the Bible that primarily is man speaking to God. Does anybody know what that book is? Just say it out loud. It's the book of... Psalms. By the way, who wrote 80% of the book of Psalms? 
David. What was David doing? Hey, by the way, if you think that David had an easy life, he was running from, he was running from Saul. Then he began to run and hide in caves from his son that wanted to kill him. Let me tell you, David, do you know when he wrote many of the Psalms? He wrote many of the Psalms on the run. He, he wrote many of the Psalms when he was having family problems, when he was dealing with his son, when he was dealing with, with the kingdom and all these issues. And it was in that context that David said, wait a minute, I'm not going to be so preoccupied with my needs that I'm going to lose sight. Worry is overwhelming me. I've got to unite my thoughts and praise the Lord. And that's when David said, listen, David would write stuff like this. This is so good. Psalms 95, one and two. He would write these on the run. Some of you guys, we think that we've got to wait till everything's good. Then we can worship God. No, you worship God when things aren't good. You worship God when things are good. You, you, you focus on God. Psalms 95.1. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing. Let us sing psalms. Let us sing praise. What happens, pastor, when I do that? I'm going to tell you, when you focus on God, your mind begins to unite. Yeah. Because your focus is singular on God. Number one, pastor, how do I walk in peace and not live in worry? How do I walk in supernatural peace? Number one, if you're going to watch us walk in peace, you've got to become a worshiper. You've got to become somebody that praises God. Because the only way the mind that's divided can become united is to begin with praise. Number two, the second thing that I see here is, is as we praise God, our perspective changes. Our perspective. Don't miss this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? He's back to the worry thing again. Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For all of these things that Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. This was so revolutionary to these Jewish people. There's a God who cares about me. Just think about our lifestyle, how we would live differently. If throughout the day, we would just stop and contemplate, there's a God in heaven who knows my name, who cares about me. Wow. Wow. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. God wants to take care of you. I had a friend of mine that always used to tell me this. And one of the things he would tell me, uh, we'd get off at the end of the call, you know, he'd say, God's got this. By the way, that's good theology. Are y'all with me? Matter of fact, can, can we just practice this all campuses? Everybody say, God's got this. I know that's not good English, but God create is bigger than English language. Are you with me? Matter of fact, we ought to get, a, we, we, you ought to write some of that down. Yeah, God's got this. God's got this. What that means is there's a sovereign God. And if you worship him and love him and honor, it's a, it'll, it'll unite your mind. Now, here's what happens. Here's what happens. Number two is your perspective begins to change. I didn't say your circumstances change. Not immediately, but your perspective changes. Please don't miss this. When, our, when we begin to worship and praise God, our mind unites. We're no longer double-minded. Our emotions begin to calm down. And here's what happens. We begin to see our problems through God's perspective, not ours. Wow. You know, problems are problems. But when I see problems from my perspective, I often see them from this vantage point. They're bigger than me. But when I become a praiser, when I focus on God 
and have a heart of gratitude of who God is in my life and what God can do and God can heal and God can save and God can restore. Watch my problems. Watch my problems. Watch what happens. Now, all of a sudden, those problems, don't miss this. All of a sudden, those problems now, watch this, they become a lot smaller in my life. You know, the Bible says that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. Why don't we try to view our problems from heaven's perspective? Are you with me? I know what some of you are thinking. You say, Pastor, this is too good to be true. No, it's not. No, it's not. It is true. God's word is true. And you are seated in heavenly places with Christ as a Christ follower. And you can see your problems. Yeah, they're real but they're not going to dominate your life. God's got this. Everybody say, God's got this. But you won't see it that way if you're not a worshiper. You won't see it. You'll see your problems this way. They're bigger than me. That situation's so much bigger than me. I can't get out of it. It's so much bigger. I'm going to worship. God, I worship you. God, you're my healer. You're my deliverer. You're the all-wise one. Lord, you, you are the conquering king. I read this morning, Life Journal, that Jesus always leads me in triumph in Christ. I live with God. God is for me. Who can be? Those problems didn't change. But now, now they're subjugated to my God. Are you with me? Why, why, why would we worry when we have a heavenly father that has all and controls all and Here's all, I'll tell you this quick thing. I've got one more point. I, this, this year, I'm getting real transparent here. We're, we're doing a project, and I'm so excited for our South Shore campus. Three weeks, we're moving into our West Esplanade campus. We've been working on that project for six years. Listen, six years. And, and we already got, it was already pushed back six months because of the COVID situation and all that's taken place. And, 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 and so we, we've got our day, and so we've got dates set and, and, and we're exci- excited. And boy, this, how many you know it's been a very active hurricane season? And I'm thinking, oh gosh, please, Lord, please. Now, now watch my mind. I'm like, please don't let this happen this year, God. Please don't. Now, now all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this is bigger than me. Does that make sense as the pastor? This is like bigger than, it's like, oh gosh. Now, now, now my mind, I'm starting to scenario plan. Well, okay, if this gets destroyed, then this gets, and then this gets, and then we get, wait, 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 time. Now I start feeling it right here. I'm getting real transparent. You feel what you're thinking. Are you with me? <laughs> and so, so wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Steve, you're slipping. You're regressing. God's in charge of Church of the King. That's God's building project. Come on, are y'all with me? If I pass through the fire, he'll be with me. If, I'm in the, if I pass through the water, he'll be, are you with me? It says, God, God's got this. Are y'all, one, two, three. God's got this. Pastor, I want to live in peace and not in worry. Well, you got a divided mind. You got to get your mind. You got to get your mind healed. So you can feel differently. So you can respond differently. Number one, I gotta focus on God. I gotta praise him. Number two, as I do, as I do, I see my problems from God's perspective. Now here's the third and final point, it's prayer. Stay with me, I got one minute. Don't miss this, don't miss this. I'm gonna help you see something that some of you have not seen before. Most people see prayer as a monologue. The word monologue, mono is the Latin word for one. Like we're monotheistic. We believe in one God. Prayer is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. Division, two visions. It's, it's we speak to God 
God speaks to us. Let me give this last scripture. I'm talking about peace. How many of y'all want to live in peace? Come on, anybody want to live in peace? I don't want to be dominated by worry. There's a recipe. Come on, South Louisiana, South Mississippi. There's something in the recipe. There's praise in the recipe. There's a shifted perspective. But then we don't want to miss out on this. There's prayer. Watch this. Watch this. This is an exchange. I've never taught it like this before. I saw this this week in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Paul the apostle writes to the church at Philippi, says, be anxious for nothing. What if we really live like that? Be anxious for nothing. How I many you know if it wasn't possible, he wouldn't have put that in there? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. I'm going to talk about that next week, how thanksgiving, how thanksgiving is so powerful related to overcoming worry. Don't miss that next week. Let your requests be made known to God. That's one way. That's one way. God, I'm struggling. Lord, do you see this? Lord, do you see what I'm going through? God, do you see these problems? Lord, let your request. That's, that's one way. That's good. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ. That's the other way. Pastor, what are you saying? Here it is. Don't miss this. The peace of God is not psychological alone. It's spiritual transformation. It's tangible impartation. In other words, you feel the presence of God. I'm wor- I've got all these problems. Here it is. I've got all these challenges. Pastor, what do I do? I'm going to begin to worship God and take my eyes off my problems and I'm going to put them on God. My mind unites. I now begin to see my problems through God's eyes. God's got this. I now, in the third step, I actually give my burdens to Jesus. I give my requests. Write them down. I give them all. Watch this. Watch this. He then gives back to me his tangible peace. You know the problem is? We're still carrying what God tells us he wants to carry, and he's still carrying what he actually wants us to carry, and that's his peace. I want him to carry my problems, and he wants me to carry his peace. Are you with me? Jesus, here's my problems, but, but, but that's not it. Jesus, here's my problems, and Jesus says, Steve, here's my peace. Here it is. Here it is. How many of y'all want to live in the peace of God? Come on. How many of y'all? I do, man. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to stand at all of our campuses. Our altar is going to be open. I'm actually asking all of our prayer teams. Some of you guys don't know that we have a prayer ministry after every service. We have trained men and women of God that are here just to minister to you, to pray with you, just to join their faith with you. Um, So please come, our prayer workers. Come forward. And also, I want to say this. If you do not know Christ, we're here as a church. We'd love to talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you're teaching us. Lord, we're not denying our problems, but we're denying the right for our problems to dominate our lives. And we're focusing on you. And number two, we're going to see them through your eyes. And number three, we're going to give them to you, but you give us tangible peace. Lord, teach us how to walk in peace. Lord, teach us. Father, I bless your people. May the grace of God be upon every man, woman, and girl. May the favor of God be upon your life. May God's peace, may the tangible peace of Jesus be your portion this day. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said?
If you need prayer, we're here for you as a church. God bless you guys. We love you. We'll see you next week. Wow, what an incredible message and a great way to kick off this series about overcoming worry. Um, and you know, Missy, one of the things I really love is how every week we can come together online, we can worship together online, and as we hear the message, we can be challenged and encouraged together online through the chat room with a great message that we've heard. And I really want to encourage you guys, because I try to do this every week, is take what I've heard, right, what God's speaking to me about, and really try to put it into practice during the week so I can really grow. And so I want you to try that this week. Maybe it was something Pastor Steve said. Maybe it was something in the chat room. Take that meditate on that and continue to move forward and really ask God to use that to change you from the inside out. That's so good. And we'd love to hear about it too. So you can take a moment and email us at online at churchtheking.com and let us know how these messages have impacted your life. You know, you can also email us your prayer requests and we will pray with you. Well, that's it. Thank you so much for being with us at Church Online today and we'll see you next weekend.